Well, the 2019-2020 Indiana Hoosiers basketball season is officially underway. We are back in the podcast studio. I am Matt Cohen. Alongside me, Phil Steinmetz, beat reporter Caleb Kaufman, our columnist. And we have a guest on the podcast today from inside the hall. We have Cameron Drummond. Cam, let's start with you. How are you, how are you doing today? Doing good. Always happy to help out the uh, IDS and its uh, various podcasting needs. I mean, I did do this for, for two years for y'all at the Daily Students, so happy to uh, be back and be talking a lot of you basketball with you fellas. Promote yourself some more, why don't you? I mean, no, that is, that is very, very true. Cam's an IDS alum, so, you know. He will never go a, away. A true success story of the program. I, I think we're just grateful to have him here with us in the studio. nicest you've ever been to me, Cohen. Absolutely. Hey, I'm, anything for you, Cam. Um, so, let's start out. Get into the first game. IU beat Western Illinois 98 to 65. Start the season 1 and 0 um, in the third year of the Archie Miller era. Right, so let's start off with Phil. You're to my le- you're to my left here. Kind of give me your overall takeaways on this game. Well, I think you kind of saw considering Al Durham didn't play in the he, he didn't play in the in the exhibition, um, but like he did go seven for seven in the in the start against Western Illinois, scored twenty one points. I think he really showed of how much his offense has sort of grown over the past two years and now in his third season as the as one of the captains, I think he really showed of how big he can really play a part in the in the offenses here. Caleb? Yeah, um Al looked good. Justin Smith looked good down low. He was kind of led the way. He led the team in points in the game uh, with 24, 22 minutes played, but there's some concerns too. In the game, it wasn't all roses. Giving up 68 points to a Western Illinois team is subpar, and it's not like it's going to get better with Devonte coming back. He's not necessarily a defensive powerhouse, so there are some concerns going forward. So I want to hop hop in on that real quick. Archie Miller said in the post game press conference that they they are not the elite defensive team that he wants them to be just yet, which I think is notable. Yes, it's the first game. You saw a lot of games across the country where defense was not great. If you look at the Champions Classic, I mean turnovers just everywhere and it's the first game that's going to happen um but the defense was not where Archie Miller wants it to be and for a team that you know wants to pride itself on defense that's got to get cleaned up I mean I, I think for the most part the defense was probably a lot better in the Gannon game and obviously Western Illinois is probably better than Gannon um definitely just to go this you know the strength of schedule I use played so far in its exhibition game and its first game really just off the charts I, I, I think that you know making the Champions Classic look like nothing uh, out at Madison Square Garden. Um, I guess the Cam turned over to you now. Kind of what what thoughts did you have? Kind of coming out of that first game. Yeah, well, I think the main takeaway was that Archie Miller said prior to the Western Illinois game about the different lineup iterations that the Hoosiers were going to have this year. He talked about throwing a bunch of different weird, funky lineups, you know, kind of at the wall during the first half of games to see what would stick, and then maybe going with two or three more cohesive lineups in the second half of games that better displays what he wants his team to do based on those first half performances, which I think you're going to see a lot of during these initial seven, eight non-conference games before Florida State, just because the strength of schedule is so poor uh, amongst the teams coming to Assembly Hall. So I think it was really interesting some of the lineups they threw out there in the first half. There was a segment between, I believe, the under-16 and under-12 timeout where you had both Race Thompson and Deron Davis at the four and the five. And Indiana can't do that too many more times just because of how um, much that lineup is limited in its mobility and its ability to close out on three-point shots, which was a strength of the uh, 
were they the Leathernecks, the fighting Leathernecks <laughs> going, going into that game. But then you had from the under 12 on in the first half a really small, really athletic, quick, dynamic lineup. I believe it was Rob Finnessy, Al Durham, Justin Smith, Trace Jackson Davis. Jerome was the last one. Correct, Jerome Hunter. And that lineup was amazing in terms of its ability to be fluid movement on offense, especially with the off-ball movement that Miller championed in the offseason. And also just kind of the dynamic playmaking that we saw a bit of from Rob Finnessy. He's still working his way back from that kind of mysterious, strange lower abdominal injury. But that lineup was really good. And especially if Indiana is going to be more of a bigger team this year, like Archie Miller has expressed a desire to be, you know, playing guys like Trace and Joey Brunk together, if they can use that really quick, smaller lineup for maybe you know bursts or four-minute stretches on either side of halftime, that can really keep opponents off kilter and maybe lead to you know some increased you know fast-break points, takeaways, scoring runs that can maybe flip the tide in some of these closer Big Ten games down the road. So, in your own opinion, would I guess would you rather have that athletic lineup for more of the for more of the game, or do you want more of that you know bigger lineup that can bruise people inside the Big Ten? I love the athletic lineup, especially, you know, maybe as a, you know, kind of an off-speed pitch type thing. Like, you don't want to throw your change up every pitch, you know, you want your fast. Unless Steven Strasburg, it's really good. <laughs> About time we got to the Nationals. <laughs> like, you don't want that off-speed pitch every time because then it's going to, you know, be, be ruddered and effective. The brilliance in this kind of smaller, quicker lineup is the fact that you can throw it out there for a brief period of time, it can have success, then you go back to what your bread and butter is, which was the bruising, bigger lineup when you have a guy like Brunk, Trace, maybe Jerome at the three, Justin Smith, depending on how that shape. Out And I think Indiana's going to have to do that in Big Ten play just because for all the benefits that that smaller lineup offers you from both a shooting and floor spacing standpoint, they're going to get run into the ground in the Big Ten when they're going up against some of the bigger bodies thrown out there by Ohio State, Illinois, uh, even a Penn State with Lamar Stevens. So I would rather them focus on the bigger lineup, but you definitely need to incorporate the smaller lineup if it continues to have success come conference play. Thoughts from the panel? Yeah, uh, I mostly agree. It's kind of a switch from what I said in our first podcast where I was a big proponent of the go big and just try to wear teams down, especially maybe throw a Deron Davis, Joey Brunk lineup out there. I can Kim's face is giving me a little snarl right now <laughs> as I say that. But uh, I've, I might convert back over to the small lineup. They That was by far the best stretch they looked in that game. Uh, Justin Smith was able to com- uh, force turnovers and then get out and run. Trace Jackson looked the part that people want him to be. And just opens up the floor, which IU is going to need. They need someone to break down defenses and get in the lane, and you can't really do that when you have Deron Davis just sitting there. Yeah, I mean, I also think like IU is really fortunate with like the way Justin Smith plays, considering he did show that like he can really handle more of the three spot this year, considering he is a bigger player and he's probably IU's best defender. Um, but then like also in the smaller lineups, he can shift down to the four and even maybe play the five at times, which I don't think he'll, he'll, he'll play a lot of. Justin Smith's going to get eaten yeah. alive if he plays <laughs> the, the five, five in a Big Ten game. Yes, yes. I, I don't think there's much more to be added on that. Yes, yeah. yes, he will. I mean, I think <laughs> he'll still be like a majority at the uh, three this season, considering we still don't know like how good J- like Jerome Hunter and Demise Anderson are going to be. Um, but at the same time, I think, I mean, he, I mean, he, he, he I mean, he could be, like, a pretty good four as well. I think the thing with Smith, too, as well, is that you saw in the first game is, I mean, he obviously was, you know, super effective, tying a career high in points with, I believe, 24. But the shot selection was just so much better. You only had one or two instances of him, you know, taking that step-back mid-range jumper or, you know, the three-pointer that we saw way too much of last season. I mean, he really tried to limit the lower percentage shots. And granted, he did score a lot of his points just kind of on fast break, you know, you know, dunks just gliding, you know, by himself without any opponents around. But at the same time, you did see a willingness 
willingness on his part to you know take shots closer to the basket, which, I mean, if he's going to be making those at such a high percentage and if Indiana's three-point shooting does pan out a bit better like without what Al Durham showed in that first game, then... You know, you take away those deeper shots, those low percentage shots, and Justice Smith all of, like all of a sudden becomes a really efficient offensive player, more than just a guy who can score points. But that offensive efficiency rating goes through the roof. So, I was, oh, it's, 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 sorry, I was going to say just building on that, I was impressed with as Archie said, and then he talked about it after the game, his willingness to take his smaller. He was playing a lot of the three, take him down low. And then he was making a lot of over the shoulder turnaround jumpers, like from the elbow and a little bit in. Which that's what that's going to be. I use Brent brother. They're going to be a mid-range jumper to inside team because Jerome Hunter, who's supposed to be uh, a three-point threat, cannot, has not really made a lot this season. Then They just don't really have anyone outside. Devontae, Rob made one, I believe, Yeah, in the game. Yep. And then Justin made one well, out of his two. Al Durham was three for three. And Al was three for three, which is, oh, I forgot. He's, that's good, but still, you you need more. Um, so I, I, I think you both kind of touched on this, but Justin Smith has been a case has been a, I mean on a team filled with question marks. Justin Smith has been one of those year after year. After the end of his freshman year, he was a guy that a lot of people thought was going to turn the corner and be a star for this team, and that didn't happen in his sophomore season. He never took that next step. Is this game the beginning of him taking a next step to becoming the potential that people all saw in him? I'd, pu- I'd pump the brakes. I mean, maybe it was Western Illinois. It was an undersized team whose only true big was a seven foot freshman. Um, I mean, it's great that he scored 24 points, but you could also have said maybe the Louisville game last year was one of his mm-hmm. breakout moments or any one of the— The Michigan State game. Yeah, Michigan State game. Any one of the appearances he had in, in his freshman season when he scored double-digit points and kind of showed flashes of this. I mean, that's the problem with how he's non-conference scheduled to start the season is just whatever you can glean from these first six or seven games is basically irrelevant until Florida State comes to town, a Florida State team that lost its opener at Pitt last night, actually. So, I mean, maybe the that game slowly becomes Why devalued. is the ACC already playing conference games? It's just like what the Big Ten does for football sometimes to drum up interest. Because they're doing just what the Big Ten does for basketball, playing two conference games it's, before the start of the you know normal season. But they're awful. just doing it now. I mean, like, I think at least just... Notre Dame looks a little better than we probably thought they would have. Yeah. I mean, even though it's, except for Cole Anthony just went off on them. But, yeah. but yeah. still, like, they returned five starters. That and... could be a little bit better for the schedule down the yeah. road. I'll give you that. Yeah. No, it's just because they know their teams are playing these p- preseason tournaments, like, Champions Classic, or I believe ACC has two teams in Maui. Uh, I don't know, but they, they expanded to their they expanded their schedule out. Uh, so they needed to fill in there. It's like, oh, first week has spots, and it's just it's gross. No one wants to see those games. I, I I don't love it. It's just way too important games, way too early in the season. Exactly. I mean, yeah, like, you know that's gonna bite a team in the butt going down the stretch where they're gonna lose the double bye in the ACC tournament. Yeah. All right, we are way off the rails here. Um, I guess looking at that Western Illinois Western Illinois game too, I. As Cam mentioned, and he's he's correct in a very rare fashion, um, that there is not a lot you can take away from this game. It's Western Illinois, it's the first game of the season. But when you look at these stats, look at look at these takeaways, what are some things that you look at from this game and think, you know, that could be something that could be carried over for the for the rest of the season, whether whether that be positive or negative? Uh, I think probably just the confidence that Armand Franklin has, especially in these intermediate games. I mean, like I've said a couple times now, those games are not going to be against good opponents, but Armand Franklin is going to have to play a lot in them, whether it's Rob Finney, still working his way back, Devontae Green, really touch and go with the hamstring. And the fact that Franklin showed a really good competency to take over primary ball handling responsibilities against the Leathernecks, had eight assists, no turnovers, was really willing to shoot the three-point shot even if it didn't go in a lot of the time. He just you know didn't have that hesitation that you maybe saw out of Demi- Easy Anderson last year, or even out of a Rob Finnessy to start the season. 
Franklin's going to be a big part of this team in the initial stages, and even once Devontae Green and Rob Finnessy come back as that main backcourt duo, this maybe gives Archie Miller a bit more confidence to throw Armand Franklin in the fire at Wisconsin to start Big Ten play, or you know, at Maryland when you're restarting up Big Ten play come 2020. So Armand Franklin's kind of maybe setting the building blocks right now to earning more of Miller's trust, and that could go a long way and be something that pays this team real dividends, especially given how shallow the depth is at backcourt. Tim kind of stole mine. I was going to say Armand. I'll give my two cents real quick that he's shown the ability to break down a defender and actually get to the hoop, which is a rarity, it seems to be, on this IU team at times. But to go somewhere else, I would say seeing Al in his first game action, and Archie, since he got here, seemed to be preaching. He wants his offense to run fast, go up up and down the court fast, and it just never has really come together. But then when Al was at the one running the point, you actually saw it kind of work for once in the Archie Miller era. And that's encouraging because the team looked a lot better. And I was kind of suspect with would Al actually be able to run a true point guard. And he was able to. And that gives Rob a little breather and doesn't put so much weight on Armand. Yeah, I mean, and, and I think kind of off that, kind of shifting in like a different direction, um, you see a guy like Trace Jackson Davis coming in. No one really knew of how good of a post defender he was considering he is like a mobile big and he can't step out and take that jump shot. But like he's been really effective in the starting lineup for IU so far, considering against Western Illinois, he did have four blocks. Um, so he's been really impressive with that post defense, considering um, IU's been like really effective with their shot blocking so far this season. So I think if like that carries over, then he could really play a bigger part, especially on the defensive end, considering everybody already knows what he sort of brings on the on the other side of the ball. So the the guard depth, I think, is a really interesting case from this game because you look at this, and IU put up 98 points, played pretty well on offense without Devontae Green, and he's going to come back at some point. Hard to know when. Um, but you look at this, you had Al Durham had a huge game. Armand Franklin was impressive, and, and he started. He played 27 minutes, only had five points, but as you guys said, you know, showed confidence and you know will be a key piece of this team going forward. Rob Finnessy didn't start, only played 14 minutes. He's coming back from injury as well. Is there suddenly guard depth now? Because I look at this, and you know Devontae Green's going to come back and go in and get a starting spot. So then how do you work the rotation at that point? Because you want to get Al Durham in, I mean, showing what he did there, if he can continue that. Because, I mean, Al Durham's obviously been a guy who's been a big vocal leader, but the, the goal for him was to take the next step to be you know on the court actually producing in a way that he hasn't done at all in his career. He's never scored more. I think he scored eight points a game last season. Um, how do you get them all on the floor if they all are going to be contributing this season, or will they all be contributing this season? I think the amount of rest that Jerome Hunter has shown to start the season maybe gives you a bit more freedom to put Al at the three, mm-hmm. at least at the start, and maybe make Jerome earn that position more than I mean I'm sure like a lot of people kind of thought he would just walk in and automatically become this knockdown shooter and that's just not the way it works when you're he's only hurt. played in one competitive game right but like and but people were still <laughs> slotting him in at a, yeah. a starting spot though which I thought was a bit that's premature. absurd and that's why you kind of have the freedom now to put Al at the three with him you know still a ways away from from being in that starting role once conference play rolls around I think you have to have Al Durham on the court no matter what though is the thing like, I think he's at the point now in his career, especially with the three-point threat that he showed against Western Illinois, if that can continue for the next four or five games, where you're constantly making teams game plan and have to respect Al Durham for the three, because then that opens up uh, so much on the inside if they have to account for him out there. So who do you bench? I think that's just an interesting question. If you want to get Al Durham on the court— That's pretty much that, whoever's that off that night. Like, if Devontae's only at two or three shots, then, I mean— I don't think you bench him, though. I feel like you're going to bench someone out of the front court then, so— where you moving TJD out of um, the starting lineup somewhere or Justin Smith out? 
or maybe I mean, you maybe you start GJG with that small lineup. Like yeah, you start with that super small lineup and then rotate in a Joey Bronk, Deron Davis. I I think it's Rob Finnessy that's the odd man the, the odd man out in this case actually. I, I mean, his like on ball defense. Yeah, the defense is thing. I don't mind having even though Al will be pretty undersized at a three. If you had to put him there, I don't hurt hate it because he's super athletic. He's a very good on ball defender, so he could make up a little bit for the under being undersized, but. Once you get into Big Ten play, it might become a little bit more of an issue, but I feel like it's going to come out of the front court than anything and rotate it, it back just, inwards. I guess it's just... It you can't start sense. Deron Davis, I don't think. That's way well, too much wear and tear on him. He, I mean, he only played eight... Deron Davis only, only played eight minutes, which was interesting. I just think that if Archie Miller's talked about playing with a large lineup this season, then you're going to lose one of the guards. I just don't see him playing a three-guard lineup based on everything based on everything that he said. Right, I'd rather him play a three-guard lineup, but he's not going to play a three-guard right. lineup. Right, and, and that's why I think Rob Finnessy is the odd man out once Devontae Green comes back if you want to start Al Durham. Or at that point, then you start Finnessy over Al Durham because I don't, I just don't see them starting more than two guards. And it's, it's, it's an interesting kind of revolving door you're going to have that it may depend on the night. I mean, this team's all been predicated in terms of everything we've said in the, in, in the lead-up as – you know, there's not going to be one guy as the the leading scorer like every single night. One guy which you're feeding every single night, and if that's going to be the case for this team, then maybe you switch around the guard based on whoever has the hot hand that night, whoever had the hot hand, you know, week before, and just to give that guy the ball more. But if it's only going to be two guys and you have four guys capable of playing, I mean, four. I'm including Armand Franklin in, in there. It's it's going to be a tough rotation for Archie Miller to handle. Interesting to see what the leash looks like on Devontae Green this year in terms yeah. of not only health but also, hey, if he doesn't come back to Florida State and Indiana's offense is clicking at a pretty good clip, then do you think about bringing him in off the bench? And maybe that mm-hmm. throws his role into flux because also a lot of the offseason chatter was dependent around, okay, we have senior year Devontae Green and things are going to be different because of X, X, and X, but one of the important reasons why it could be different was because this is finally the first year that Devontae Green has a set defined role for this team. All of a sudden, this hamstring injury, and if, you know, you see enough out of, you know, the, the trio of Armand, Al, and Rob to be confident in them starting games in Big Ten play, does that maybe put Devontae Green's role into flux? It's, it's it's a really interesting situation that, that they have just because of that. And I've said this over and over, but I just think it's crazy. We're in a world where at this time a year ago, no one wanted Devontae Green in the starting lineup because he was so inconsistent and people were just scared he would turn the ball over whenever he touched the ball. And here we it, are now. It's kind of a byproduct, though, of you look at the preseason roster for IU and you have to default to being like, yeah, we're going to be all in on Devontae because you're not going to be all in on really any of those other guards to lead an offense. And even though, even though I've voiced my opinion multiple times, I still think it's asking a lot to have Devontae almost double his offensive production from last year. Yeah, I mean, and and you're basically expecting that of him with everything that Archie Miller said in the lead-up to the season as the most talented offensive player on the team. He averaged under 10 last year, I believe. Yeah, I believe I mean, it was 9-4. Like, right, like, we all forget that, like, he wasn't, until he came back from his suspension, he wasn't that great. It was three games in the NIT. Yeah. I mean, like, he he brings your three-point pre- shooting presence, but on a team filled with question marks, he may be your biggest one. And it's just, I'm really curious to see what his role is going to look like when he comes back. And that's and that's another question. When is he coming back? Um, let's, so let's, uh, let's uh, look, look ahead to the Portland State game coming up on Saturday. Portland State, obviously, another game I is going to be heavily favored in. Um, they they should not lose that game. If they lose to Portland State, uh, it will be an interesting <laughs> podcast some bigger next week. They, they have one game they can possibly lose and be feel semi okay about this in the pre a non conference not preseason. What on earth did you just say? What? Don't worry about it. <laughs> Wait. Well, the thing so about what? the thing about Portland, was, you said they shouldn't lose, and you you don't you don't even need to preface that. Besides, any times for maybe 
I'm well, so confused right now. Portland oh State did put up 94 points in its in its season opening victory over Puget Sound. Well, here's the thing about Where's that the game Puget Sound. Quick question. Puget, Puget Sound's in Tacoma, Washington. Okay, very good. University of Puget Sound's in Tacoma, Washington. Their nickname is the Loggers. They are Division Three. But here's the why thing. do you know that? Here's the thing That's about scary. that game. It's that like game, Jack knowledge. That game was an exhibition for Puget Sound, but it was actually the season opener for Portland State. I'm that not sure no how. Why do you know that? Because I did some research. But also, here's the thing about that game that's going to be relevant for IU on Saturday afternoon. Portland State presses. They forced 31 turnovers against Puget Sound. 18 of those were steals. So this means that with Armand Franklin expected to be in a starting role again with Devontae Green predicted to be out for Saturday, we're going to see Armand Franklin and Al Durham work against the press. Now, what's going to be interesting to me is I assume Armand Franklin is going to struggle with this initially. First college game against the press. Um, it's going to be something that I use going to obviously work on in practice in the lead up, but you can't expect a freshman to go eight assists, zero turnovers against his first college press, how he adjusts from the first half to the second half, or just, you know, within media timeouts as Archie Miller and the coaching staff walk him through the better passes to be made, the crisper passes to be made, is going to be something very interesting to watch in this game. And also, does this affect who Ayu puts in the front court? Because I wasn't particularly impressed with Joey Brunk's passing ability in that first game against Western Illinois. Deron Davis's by far and away the most skilled big man IU has in terms of touch passing and passing out of the post and also being able to inbound the ball. So maybe does that affect what that lineup looks like just because the Vikings use a press? I mean, I think you can also kind of see of how Trey Jackson Davis is capable of putting the ball on the floor as a bigger man. Um, so I think so. I think he could really see like a lot more touches considering he can also bring the ball up the court um, against this press and he'll kind of sort of be leaned on more in that role. I, I do want to add just a stat onto what Cam said. I pulled up the box score from the from, from the Portland State Puget Sound game. Not only did Portland State force eighteen uh well have 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 eighteen steals, Puget Puget Sound turned the ball over thirty one times. I said that. You did say that. Yeah, yes. that's yeah, embarrassing. Okay, well, let's emphasize that. Puget Sound's not good. I mean, let's emphasize that. They're D three. Thirty one times. No, <laughs> yes, it's Puget Sound. They're not great. IU is a lot better than Puget Sound, but 31 sure is a lot of turnovers. And if you're going to be getting that kind of press, I, th- I think Cam brings up a really good point there. It is going to really test those guards. Um, and we just talked about, you know, maybe you have this issue of what guard is the right guy because they're all going to be producing for you. Well, if they can't handle the press, maybe you answer that question. I, I think that's where Rob comes in. Rob was, is, in my opinion, the most common collected of the guards. Um, Al's shown, and Archie's talked about how he sometimes moves a little too fast in his uh, ball handling, especially since he's taken over at the point a little bit. So that'll also be a good test for him, and I agree, Armand. It's going to be a big test for Armand. You don't expect a freshman to be able to handle a, a college press right away, but he's shown the ability to break down and just be calm and collected at times. So as the team goes forward, these are the big things that might erase some of those question marks we talked about earlier. Yeah. So as we kind of wrap up here, kind of just give me what what you want to see from Indiana in this game on Saturday. I can go first. I, uh, I want to see Jerome Hunter be more consistent shooting. He doesn't have to be a knockdown shooter like everyone expected, but when you ha- when no one's around you, you got to be able to put the ball at least near the rim. Sometimes he's in like side of the rim or just straight backboard, which isn't great. So a little bit more shooting touch, but he's looked decent at times, especially when he gets downhill. Yeah, and then I want to see more productivity from Demisi Anderson, considering we all kind of did hype him up from like the exhibition game. Um but and he, like he only had what two points against Western Illinois. So I think if like in his nineteen to twenty minutes on the court, I I really want to see him be more effective in like that shooter role. Cam, 
Oh yeah, um, <laughs> that's a good question. <laughs> I mean, uh, do you need us to repeat the question for you? The, the press is the kind of thing I'm looking at. I'm also looking to see how quickly Ayo can get the ball up the court and how they can flow. Because I mean, we started this discussion talking about a smaller lineup versus a bigger lineup for Archie Miller's team, and you'd figure like a smaller, quicker lineup would lend itself better in a against a press just because of its ability to pass, its ability to get out of the backcourt quickly. It's about its ability to maybe not focus as much on half-court sets, but rather just attacking the basket and going for, you know, points. And especially for a team that Archie Miller said he wants to live at the foul line this year, that's something that maybe they can take advantage of where you have two-on-one situations after you break the press and whether or not you can make the right pass to, to get to the basket and not be selling for mid-range jumpers. I mean, again, you're going to learn minimal from this game. So get in, get the win, don't get anyone hurt, and you know, don't push Rob Finnessy if he does need to be pushed in terms of minutes played. And that's going to be the case for the next couple of, of games. Uh, it's going to do it for, for our podcast. Uh, IU plays Portland State 2 o'clock on Saturday. Before our next podcast, they will also be playing North Alabama on Tuesday night at 7 o'clock. The IDS Basketball Guide is on stands now. Make sure to grab a copy of that. You can read it online or in print for both coverage of the men's and women's team as we lead up to the season's under underway. The women's open on Thursday night. Uh, the season underway for both teams. It's going to be it for us, for Phil, Caleb, and Cam. I am Matt Cohen. We will see you next week.